the Mom Village podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. We're so happy that you're here joining us today, and we have an amazing episode today. Oh, sorry, I'm Gismarie Ramos, and I'm here with my ladies. I got to introduce my ladies and myself, Kira Kelly. Good morning, ladies. And I have Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And this episode is beyond awesome. Kristen, tell us why that is. Yes, yet again, we have another person that we love introducing them to our mom village who we also love. And I have a dear friend of mine joining us today. Her name is Christy Allen, and she is a dear friend to me. She was actually in my wedding. Mm -hmm. She's actually been friends. Her family and Jimmy's family have been friends for a long, 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 long time. Wait, you said she was in your wedding? How old was she when she was in your wedding? Okay, girl. (laughs) What? What? Anyways, she, she she was at the wedding, period. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, and her brother was at our wedding, too. We'll talk about that later. But she she's just a dear friend, and we brought her on today because our episode is titled Mom on a Mission, and I don't know of another mom who this is true about more than my friend Christy. So Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. And I just wonder if you would just tell our listeners just a little bit about your family. Absolutely. Christy, it's such a delight to be on the episode today and just love you and your family and excited about this podcast that you guys are doing. I know you're encouraging a lot of women out there. So I have two kids. I have a daughter named Claire. She's 15. She loves art and she wants to be an engineer. And then my son, Joe, he's 12. He is all boy and he loves all things sports. So those are my kids. And my husband, my husband, Joey, and I actually met on a mission trip to the Philippines. So Jimmy, Kristen's husband, Jimmy, invited my husband, Joey, on his first mission trip. He was 17 at the time and that trip changed his life. He he realized on that trip why God created him and he also we also met too, and actually, it was it was not. It took some time for us to get to know each other, but I guess it was on our fourth mission trip that it clicked. In our fifth mission trip, he proposed to me on the side of a mountain in Cebu Island wow. on the last day of our mission trips. So yeah, so we're grateful to Jimmy for hooking us up. Uh, listen, he's so proud of that. And by the way, let's just be honest and say, I bet that it took. Joey less time to click with you than it took for you to click with Joey. You're being very gracious this morning, but man, Joey is such a great guy, such a talented guy, and you guys are a power couple. Y'all make a great team. The Lord knew what he was doing when he brought the two of you together. So Christy, again, thank you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about when you started feeling the call to missions? And also, did your mom and dad have anything to do with helping you to have a tender heart toward the nations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that question. My parents had a lot to do with my heart for God and for the nations. You know, when I was you know, just thinking back over my 
you know, experience as a kid and even my, my call to missions, I think the two biggest things that impacted me were their love for my parents' love for God and also my parents' love for me. One of the things that was really significant for me is the fact that my parents both made us kids. So I'm the oldest of five and they really always made us a priority and we were the number one ministry. We weren't second to ministry, but we were their top ministry. And so I think always feeling valuable and secure in their love was really significant and impactful, Mm -hmm. but also just seeing their radical faith and trust in God to do whatever he called them to do. So I was nine. Actually, uh, Jimmy and I were a part of our parents planted a church together when I was six. And then when I was nine, my dad went on a mission trip to the Philippines and he you know, came back and was so impacted by that trip, he felt called to take our family back overseas to the Philippines. But ironically, that same night, my mom was in bed and felt like God was impressing the same thing in her heart. Mm. But all she had seen was Nipah huts in the Philippines and just thinking about, is there going to be running water? And like, what is this going to be like to take my kids overseas? And she really wrestled through that, and you know, those questions with the Lord and finally came to that, a piece that if, that she could trust him, that she could really trust him with even this crazy decision to move overseas. So at the age of nine, we packed everything up with 10 suitcases. And I think, you know, I was the oldest, I was nine. So I remember my dad had like 10 hand carries on his arms because none of us could carry our bags. And so we moved overseas and we were there for about five years. And there was a lot of challenges during that season. When I look back and think about all the things that we experienced as a family, it was it was pretty wild. My my mother almost died, my brother almost died, my mm. sister had scoliosis. Oh, we had wow. people that stole from us. We had all kinds of things happen, but my overarching memories are of God taking care of us and coming through for our family. And so You know, even specifically, I think one thing that was really sweet that my parents really, really prayed about everything. My mom taught me that I can, there's nothing too small that I can't pray about. And, and Mm -hmm. even as a a kid, as a missionary kid, I also experienced that he cared about the desires of my heart Mm -hmm. and things that were, that I was praying about. And I saw personal answers to prayer. And so going back to the States at the age of 14, as a teenager, and I'm trying to begin to think, okay, what do I do with this experience? How do I respond to this experience that I've had? Mm -hmm. And I think it was seeing my parents' radical faith in God and the ways that God came through for our family. I thought, how could I not trust God with my whole life? Like, why would I not trust him with the most important things in my life? And so it was during that year as a 14 year old that I decided, Lord, whatever you want with my life, I'll, I'll do that. I, you know, I was open and willing to go overseas, but I just, I wanted to have a heart to do whatever he wanted me to do. So my parents definitely had a, a big part in shaping that those desires. It's amazing to me what you said about your mom and dad, like all the bad things that happened while you were there, mm-hmm. but that's not that's not focus. your primary yeah. focus because it obviously wasn't theirs. And so it just right. it shows us as moms, no matter what situation we are in, we're not all missionaries, you know, across the sea. Yeah. Yeah. But that our children learn to see the world around them through our lens, even before they are able to do that through the lens of God's word. Mm -hmm. And so 
man, what an impactful time that your mom and dad had in your life. And and it really spurs us on as moms to be thinking about how we are showing our kids the world and who God is through how we respond to life. And that our situations doesn't define us. So, I mean, you guys went through situations and hardships like life-threatening. And yet that That's didn't right. and that didn't define who you guys were. And actually the Lord used that to as a 14-year-old, what you're saying, you know, to spur that in your heart, like that desire of like, you know what, I want to do more. I think this experience is not just because God is just teaching me to, you know, appreciate life. It's because I need to do more with my life. Yeah, mm. for sure. That's right. Well, and sometimes I think our temptation is to try to be the savior for our kids, but our mm-hmm. job is actually to point them to the savior. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so yeah. that's a real freeing thing to realize, especially, you know, when tragedy and difficult things happen yeah. to say, okay, you know, it's not my job to fix this situation. It's my job to point them to the one who can. And, Amen. and that's what will really impact their lives is seeing that God really is, he's big enough and he's good and he loves us. Yes. Wow. So, Christy, let's fast forward a little bit. Tell us, what was it like living in Bangladesh? And share with us, what were some of the challenges that you faced as an Anglo mom living in a different country? Oh, yes. (laughs) Living in Bangladesh, it was quite the adventure. (laughs) Bangladesh is the most densely populated country in the world. Hmm. So... There's no such thing as privacy. In fact, in the Bengali language, there's not even a word for privacy. (laughs) Wow. So if you're claustrophobic, you cannot be there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just to give you an idea, Bangladesh has half the population of the U.S. in a country the size of Arkansas. So if, I know, if the U.S. had the same population density as Bangladesh, it would have 9.6 billion people. So that's more than all the people in the globe. So it's just a lot of people everywhere. So to say the least, we stood out. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I wonder why. With our beautiful blonde hair. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that in itself had some joys and challenges. Just being, I guess, maybe some of the assumptions that people made because they saw that we're Americans. They assumed that we're different. But what their assumption was that we were Christians, they assumed all Americans were Christians, Mm. and they also assumed all Americans were like what they saw in the movies. So they assumed that we had were loose and had no morals. And (laughs) oh lord, I know. So it's kind of a lot to try to help them realize, you know, that yes, we're different, but it's not because we're American, but it's because we're followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know that that's what makes us different. And one of the things about being in Bangladesh, well, so it's a primarily about 90% Muslim country. And I think one of the things that was hard for me as a woman was to see the way that women are treated in this culture, not valued at all. And in fact, the first time I ever spoke to a group of ladies at the end, I asked for questions. And the first thing, the first woman raised her hand, raised her hand and she said, we know nothing and we are nothing. <gasps> oh, man. No. I mean, can you imagine like that's just kind of. Yeah, they're just taught that they're not valuable from the time that they're born and that they're a burden, you know, because there's a dowry system. And so that's really a real burden to them. And so I remember one day going out every afternoon, I would go out into the, we had a big field behind our home and I would go into the field and all the kids would play in the neighborhood and and the moms and I would sit there chatting and that's how I learned how to speak Bengali and we would watch our kids play together and we'd visit. I remember one day 
two of the ladies, I think they had started to feel more comfortable with me. And they said, they looked at me and said, how does your husband beat you? And I said, what? Not, not does your husband beat you, but how does your husband beat you? And the one lady was like, oh, her husband beats her with the shoe. And the other lady was like, her husband beats her with a stick. And they just had never conceived of a husband not beating a wife. Mm. And so I think, you know, a lot of times we have Mm. a lot of preconceived ideas about Muslims, but I think just living in a culture with them, God really grew my heart for them. And I just, Mm. I realized that they're just like us and the same longings, fears, and desires and and they're looking for hope and they need truth. And God really took away fear and really replaced that with love. And that was his doing because I didn't go over to Bangladesh necessarily with a heart for Bengali people, but God really gave it to me in the middle of it. I will say the people in Bangladesh, you know, it's one of the poorest countries in the world, but they are some of the most hospitable people that you'll meet. They're just, it's really humbling to see people who have nothing and then they give you, you know, everything that they have. So it was very impactful season in my life. Let me ask you really quick. We didn't put this question, but in terms of like the kids, because I remember yeah. gr- growing up, I grew up in Puerto Rico and I remember every time we will see somebody multicultural or American or Asian, doesn't matter where, we were fascinated, especially Amer- yeah. American ladies. So I remember growing up, like we had a neighbor and she moved straight from the United States. And for us, she looked like an angel. We were like, oh my gosh, she looks like an angel. Because <laughs> we have never seen anybody so blonde with blue eyes yeah. and so white yeah. skin. So in terms of like the kids, what was their reaction every time you will meet like a little one? Because, you know, kids have no filter and they just say whatever they say, go to you. They're very loving or What was their reaction? Well, I mean, my kids are both blonde, blue-eyed. So, yes, they definitely stood out in a crowd. You know, it's interesting. I think they loved loved my kids. And just like you're describing, they they were fascinated. I think it also opened a lot of doors, honestly, for Mm -hmm. both my husband and I to share Christ with people because of the fascination and kind of that, you know, media platform that we had because people were curious, you know. I remember just to show you kind of, I don't know, I guess just from my little girl's perspective, the first furlough we came back to the States, we were up early because we were on, you know, time change and, and we were, I, I decided to take the kids for a walk. So Joe's about two and Claire's about five at this point. So we're walking down this beautiful road in Florida and trees everywhere. There's no, not a person in sight. And Claire looks at me and she said, she's like, why aren't people following us, mom? (laughs) And I said, what? And she's like, why aren't people following us? And I realized she had never known life without people all around her staring, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and following and, you know, anyway. So yeah, it it definitely is a different, different world. Just, you know, being kind of always a center of attention, I guess. Well, Christy, I know you loved your time in Bangladesh and you love the people there, but it was a potentially dangerous place, right? And I know that, you know, you guys, you know, Joey had things happen to him. You know, what were some things that happened that you can even share while you were there just to give our listeners like an idea about what was happening when you were living there? Well, you know, to be honest, it's, you know, the the things we experienced were just minute compared to what nationals experienced who turned to Christ. You know, there's so much persecution. We had friends who who were, 
you know, severely persecuted. Their houses were burned. They were killed. We had people that we discipled that were martyred because of their faith. And so, I mean, you know, my husband did experience arrests and other threats and other things. And, you know, it was difficult at times. But, you know, I just, I was thinking about this, this podcast today, and I was thinking about just the impact that we can have on our children. And I guess one of the things that I would encourage listeners is just to live out your faith before your children. Mm -hmm. I think the best thing you can possibly do as a mom is to love Jesus and to walk in faith. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's not bad to show your kids the journey that you're walking through of learning to trust God or Mm -hmm. even the struggles that you go through. Because I remember Kristen, one of the times where it was very intense and we had a lot of persecution, a lot of challenges, and we didn't know if we could even stay in the country. And I just remember this one day, just overwhelming, you know, just feeling overwhelmed. And I just turned on some worship music and I picked up Claire in my arms and started singing. You remember that song? Oh no, you never let go. Yes. And I just remember singing and just, you know, crying out to the Lord in that. And it was interesting because about a week later we were in the car driving to the Capitol and we turned that song on and Claire with both her hands raised sang that song at the top of her lungs. Mm. And I thought, you know, our worship of God, our response to God, even in times of crisis impacts our kids because they're, they're picking up so much more than we say to them. You know, really it's, it's not about, really always what's taught, but it's what's caught, you know? And so I think just, yeah, we really experience God calming our fears, protecting us, giving us favor. In fact, you know, I was talking about our Muslim neighbors. They would have given their lives for us. They would tell us, you know, okay, there's a riot out today. You need to stay in. Don't go out. I feel like they would have, you know, sacrificed themselves for us. They were really so loyal to us. And so God just protected us and he, he sustained us. It was a really, really hard season, mm-hmm. a lot of challenges, but God was really faithful and he took care of our family in so many amazing ways. Well, you know, Jimmy had the privilege of coming over in your area to preach to the missionaries. And so you guys gathered and he was talking with Joey and you at dinner one night. And I'm laughing because you didn't even remember this story, but it impacted Jimmy so much. And uh, Joey was sharing with Jimmy some of the things that had happened to him while he was there, just giving Jimmy a picture about what it was like to live there. And then he he talked about an honor killing that had happened like in your backyard. And Jimmy, being the loving big brother spiritually that he was, told Joey, he was like, Joey, what are you doing? You have to get your family out of there. Like this is dangerous. And, you know, you could lose your life. Christy could lose her life. And you know, they could take their life from you. And Joey, as lovingly as he could, chastised Jimmy a little bit. And he just said, Jimmy, they cannot take anything from me because we have already given it. We've already given our lives to the Lord to do what he will with it. And he said, we have a plan. We know, you know, if something happens to me, Christy knows what to do. If something happens to Christy, I know what to do. And we're just surrendering to the Lord. Somebody has to tell these people about Jesus. And Jimmy was like, yep, the Holy Spirit just convicted me big time because the scriptures, does they don't teach us to be fearful and they don't teach us to shy away from sharing the gospel. 
And I, re- my first mission trip that I ever went on was with your dad and you. Yeah. And he used to always say that the safest place to be is in the will of God. Right. And that he right. he's going to protect you. And you know what? If he's ready for you to go, then you're going to yeah. go. And you're going to go whether you're here in the United States or in Bangladesh or wherever you find yourself. And so I have thought about that so many times just in life, like even with parenting my children, that I would pray that I would not ever make the mistake of trying to keep them safe Mm -hmm. at the expense of them being obedient to Christ. That's right. What we really want them to be is bold and trusting Jesus no matter what. You know, it really requires, it requires you to lay your kids on the altar, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I it mean, does. I mean, it requires you to trust. I remember when Claire was a little baby and just really literally like offering her to God, feeling, you know, having a rush of all the fears that of what might happen to her, you know, and wanting to protect her. And I just felt like the Lord was like, you know, I've got this. Yeah. You really can't. You know, you can, you know, minimally protect her, but it's my job, you know, and I, I just think it is important to to remember that, yes, God has given me stewardship and I need to show wisdom. But at the same time, it really is his job mm-hmm. to ultimately protect our kids. And so you're right. It's a faith journey to trust God with, you know, with what he has for them as well. So let me ask you. So you were there in I see yeah. here in my notes that you were transitioned to India. How does that happen? Yeah, we did. We ended up transitioning after a couple of terms in Bangladesh. We transitioned to India, which is just bordering. So it's actually the same people group, same same language. But just to kind of help you picture it, we went from working in a rural Muslim country to Kolkata, which was an urban Hindu context. So oh. very, very different going from yeah. a village to a big city. But again, still the same language. But yeah, it was quite a step up in some ways because in Bangladesh, you know, we'd have power outages multiple times of the day and and, in India it was so much better. And it's funny, I I felt like I was actually, you know, moving up in the world because I had Uber and Amazon India. So, (laughs) (laughs) So it was, no, it was, it was interesting to just being in a context of Hinduism too and seeing that worldview even in our, so in our complex, we had these high rise up complexes that most people lived in in the city. And it was so eye opening for us and our kids to see every year they would have a big festival, a celebration where they would build a huge stage and an idol and bring it into the complex. And then they would invite the spirit of the God to dwell in this idol. And there would be a whole week of celebrating and dancing and singing and offering sacrifices to the God whose name actually means the God of destruction, which is very And so I know. And then after this week of festivities is over, they would take the idol to the river and then the spirit would leave from the idol and they would, you know, the idol would disintegrate into the river. And so we would see, you know, just the emptiness and just the sadness of, you know, trying to worship all of these gods and just, I don't know, just being able to see more people and more, I guess, have a bigger picture of the world, even of, of, of how much, you know, Christ is needed to be preached in mm-hmm. all of these places. So it was, it was a sweet season being in India. We just made some dear friends and it was, we had some ex- uh, neat experiences there too. Let me ask you, so in that topic of the culture and everything, did you find anything that you actually, you can share with us? you like, 
these things all, you know, I really love these things about the culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think that is true in culture is not necessarily right or wrong. There's actually some things that are good in culture, right? And then there's some things that bad in every culture. And I think one of the challenges being a missionary is trying to figure out what's biblical culture, you know, even with the area of parenting, like it took me years to even talk about parenting because I'm like, I don't want to import American parenting. I want to import, you know, I want to share biblical parenting, you know, so sometimes it's hard to sift through all of those things. But yeah, there were some sweet parts of the culture that we like. Just I think the hospitality was so precious. I mean, I feel like in our culture, we're kind of losing that I don't know, our heart to have people in our homes. People are so busy and they feel like they have to do everything perfectly, you know, when they have somebody and it has to be this like, you know, Pinterest kind of a meal. And it's like, no, you know, we just, everybody would enjoy going into everyone's homes. And I think that was really a sweet part of the culture. I think another thing I loved is that they really honored old people. Mm -hmm. I feel like in our culture, kind of people are, you know, once they get older, there's kind of put by the wayside, but there was a real reverence and honor of people as they got older, which we really liked that. So, yeah, there are a lot of things that we liked about the culture. So tell me, what's the day like in your home when you were a missionary? How were your children involved in the mission as well? Like, if you can tell our moms, this is what a day was in our home while we were in India or in Bangladesh. How can you describe that to us? Absolutely. It's funny because... Honestly, in some ways, it's nearly the same. In other ways, it's a little different. You know, I was homeschooling the whole time I was overseas. And so, so much of my world and my life revolved around my kids and being in, you know, trying to make our home a loving place and discipling my kids and, you know, all those things that that were involved in that. And so that was a top priority for me. And so in that way, it probably looks similar to those of you who homeschool. But at the same time, it kind of maybe, maybe kind of look like, especially in Bangladesh, kind of look like I'm, you know, a farm woman with I canned vegetables and froze, you know, froze Ooh, vegetables. Hey, that sounds great to me. <laughs> kind of like I'm on the farm. I will say one of the perks was that we had ho- wonderful house help that, that helped us because you couldn't, like in Bangladesh, like women didn't even go shopping. So, and it was all open air market type shopping. So we actually had a husband and wife that worked for us and my husband would do, you know, go to the market and get the fresh chicken and, you know, that had just been killed or whatever and, and all the vegetables. And we had to like boil our water and wash all our vegetables. And so everything was from scratch. So it's in some ways that's, you know, I'm getting younger, just living there with you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the sweet thing is having help. But if I didn't have help, I wouldn't have been able to manage either because it just takes so much of your time just doing the basic things to kind of live. So that was, you know, joys and challenges, I guess. And were your kids involved when you go in in the missions? Like after you do homeschooling and let's say you guys had a meal or a lunchtime, like yeah. would you guys go together to do mission stuff together? Like how did that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, honestly, we really tried to involve our kids as much as possible. Sometimes we had to be creative about involving them in work. But, you know, like I said, when my kids were younger, a big part of my role was pouring into them and, you know, was trying to learn Bengali, which, man, I don't feel like a gifted language learner at all. But one of the things that I did just, you know, 
every day was every afternoon after we finished school, after everybody took their naps, you know, that was the time when women would come out and the kids would come out to play. So we would go outside together and that was an opportunity, something we could do two together where the kids would develop relationships with the neighbor kids and I would spend time with the women and, and learn the language. So that's something we did every day. But, you know, even trying to just be really intentional with mm-hmm. opportunities that the kids could have. So when we had different traditions, like when people would come into our home, visitors would come into our home, we would wash their feet. And so the mm-hmm. kids would be a part of that. I remember, you know, both my kids got saved at young ages. And one of the things that the Lord put in my heart is that when a kid gets saved at a young age, they have spiritual gifts too. Sometimes we wait until they're older and think, oh, we'll develop their gifts later. But really praying about, Lord, how can I help them develop spiritual, you know, their spiritual gifts mm-hmm. as kids? And so I started seeing that Joe really had a heart like to gifts and a compassionate heart. And so when we would be driving around in the car, it was just so, so heartbreaking. There was, there were beggars everywhere. And one of the things we did is we kept food in our car and we would give food. And like we had these mango bars, for example, that we kept in the car. And so because I could tell he had a heart to give and, and a compassionate heart, he that became his job that he would get to give the beggars the mango bars because that was something that, you know, he had a heart for. I saw that Claire had a heart for teaching and she was really good at it. So I let her, she got to go to a girl's home and have you seen those little resurrection eggs that teach that (laughs) story? She got to do that and teach some other girls her age. I remember we planned a, a trip to an orphanage. I let the kids pick out some of their toys they wanted to give away and we got to visit our orphanage. And as they got older, it got a little easier. We would take them on trainings that we would do and involve them as much as we can. So when you have a training for women, the kids are going to come along with it. So yeah. one of the things that Claire would do as she got older is she would help me with the kids. And she would teach them Bible stories and songs and crafts so that I could teach the moms. And I was even asking her about it last night. And she said, you know, it was just sweet to be not just see ministry from a distance, but up close. And I think when kids get to be a part of ministry, it's really a joy for them, isn't it? So I think it's allowing them to experience the joy of loving others and serving others. So another cool thing we got to do is, have you heard of Night to Shine? It's a a prom for those with special needs that my brother started and we were able to do that in India. So that was something the kids were able to be a part of too. So really had to pray at times to ask the Lord, how can we help them be a part? Because I think that is really important because, you know, if you're making sacrifices and separated from family to do this ministry and they don't get to taste it and experience the joy of serving, then that's, you know, not as sweet and fulfilling for them too. So wanting them to feel like this is a family ministry, it's not just, you know, their dad or their mom, but this is a family ministry. And that's really kind of the mindset we tried to have. Christy, what an amazing life lesson that is. I mean, this for any mom that is listening that, that would love to do missions, this is an amazing advice. But for every single mom on the daily routine, even you don't yeah. have to be in missions to what a great advice it is. Like I'm listening to you and I'm like, wow, like I don't have to wait to actually be on a mission to do That's the right. mission with my kids. I can just use their tiny little hearts and just encourage them to do more. And I love how you use this because I'm pretty sure you have so many stories of friends that they're probably in the same boat as you are, but they're not utilizing this idea of like, hey, my kids are young, but they can still do ministry. I can train them now so when they're older, they can actually, you know, be ready for the mission field. That's right. That's right. 
Christy, your mom and dad had five children, and all of you are unique and talented and good looking. And, you know, it's just, it was fun to watch your family grow up. But you mentioned your brother who started Night to Shine, and you actually have a pretty famous brother, don't you? What is his name? Tim Tebow. Yeah. So, so Tim Tebow, you know, the quarterback for Florida Gators, Heisman winner, NFL quarterback and talented broadcaster. But really, his claim to fame in our home is that he uses platform to tell people about Jesus Mm -hmm. and to lift up his name. And so we're grateful for that. I mentioned that you were in my wedding and he was too. He was our little snaggletoothed ring bearer, which to look at him now (laughs) is very funny to think about those days. But you know, so you have this famous brother, and, and there were seasons where your family has connected because of that with celebrities and really important people in the world's eyes. And you've been on red carpets and award shows, and you were doing all of that in the midst of being on the mission field. And so you go to these shows, and you see all these yeah. people, and then you get on an airplane, and you go back to serve people that don't necessarily know you. Wash your feet. And yeah, and they don't know your God. Right. So you have this ball gown on one minute, and then the next minute you're yeah. on your hands and knees with your children washing the nationals' you know, feet. So there's no fame. You're just an IMB missionary. And how did you navigate all of that during those times? Yeah, that was jarring. I mean, I remember going getting, it was such a gift, but being able to go to the Heisman and seeing him win the Heisman. And we were there for literally three days and flew back to Bangladesh. And actually, ironically, in New York there where he won the Heisman, all of our cab drivers were Bengali. So we were able to use (laughs) Bengali. But then going back to like the poorest, you know, country in the world, and it's just like the most extreme experiences you can imagine. But God was doing such a deep work in my heart in those first years there to just really uproot a lot of things in my own heart, specifically in the area of performance, just helping me realize that my worth doesn't come from what I do, but it's, it's in being his girl, being Mm -hmm. his daughter. And so God was really, he really actually took, he called me in those first few years during that season in Bangladesh. He called me to serve out of weakness rather than out of any of the areas of strength. And so there was a lot of pruning that he did, and I, I realized that it was out of his love that he, you know, it's funny, I've said this many times, but I really believe that God sent me to Bangladesh so that people could know Jesus, but I also think he sent me to Bangladesh so that I could know Jesus, because wow. it was in that context that he really did a deep work in my heart, and I think that's true, Whatever, wherever he calls you to go, whoever he calls you to go with, that's the context that he is sanctifying you, you know, as moms, like the kids he gave you, the husband he gave you, the places he called you to serve. Like that's the context that he wants you to become more like Jesus and the things you need, you know, to be able to become more like Christ. And so I just saw the work that he didn't just care about the people we were serving. He cared about me. And and so one of the things to your question, Kristen, one of your the things that he did in my heart was to help me realize that my math is different than God's math. And, you know, at that time, Timmy was speaking to thousands of people. I mean, he still does, but, and I'm just ministering to a few people behind closed doors, you know, and a lot of, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of 
pats on the back. But at the same time, God just really helped me to realize that that if I, whatever he calls us to do, if the work comes from his hands, that makes it valuable. So if it's to a thousand or if it's Mm -hmm. to one child, Mm -hmm. that is the most valuable work because it came from my father's hands and it's his work. And you just don't know, you know, the work of a mom is hard, but you don't know. We don't see the huge multiplication impact of pouring into our children even, you know, or just the one neighbor or the one person around us. And so I just, God began to really help me realize it doesn't matter the scope. It just matters. It's all about faithfulness and obedience to the task he gave to me. And so that was a really important lesson that he taught me during that season. And I think it's a lesson so valuable to moms in general, because the whole thought of motherhood in our society seems to be downplayed and frowned upon, honestly, almost like motherhood is an interruption into what we really could be doing if it weren't for those pesky kids, you know, and the truth is, wow, what a mistake as moms, if we think about it that way, but that it's a gift from the Lord and he has given us these children for us to be missionaries too for now. And we're, you know, we're their first teachers, their first counselors, their first theologians. And for us to take that seriously and see it as an honor and a gift. So the lessons that you learned on the mission field apply so deeply to all of us as moms. Christy, thank you for sharing your heart so raw because I'm listening to you and in the way you're explaining the way you're feeling, you know, you said that the Lord called you in your weakness. I mean, that's the same way we, all of us moms feel. Yeah, and the right. reality is like, we don't, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm like, we don't have to be in the missions field to actually feel like that. Like, and then, and it seems kind of ironic that I, I think this way, but I was like, oh, for some reason I thought, you know, like she will have a different approach, but she feels the same way I feel, you know, and, and, she, right. was, and right. she was in the mission field. So it's an encouragement to moms, you know, that are listening, you know, we're all in the same boat. We do understand no matter, like you were saying, no matter where you are, even if the Lord has called you to the missions or not, like Christine was saying, but how can we, the body of Christ and us, the everyday mom, help missionary families like you guys? Like, what is something, you, you've done this for a long time, you just share over 14 years, right? Yeah. How can you encourage moms like us? And you just say so many great advice, but little things that you can say, hey, where you are right now, mom, you can help a missionary family like this, even if you know somebody or not, right. this is the way you can help them. Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I think... You know, I had this imagery, and I think, you know, even the things you were saying of, oh, I didn't know you were just like me. I didn't know we had a same <laughs> joys and challenges. And I think sometimes as missionaries, you know, when we come off the field, to be honest, we're pretty battle-worn. We see a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness around us. There's a, sometimes traumatic things that we go through. And I think when you see a missionary come off the field or come to your church or somebody even, you know, a college student coming off the you know, mission trips or whatnot. And you, I think it's good to see them just like you. I kind of have this picture of a nurse coming off the battle. She's on the battlefield helping the soldiers and she's, you know, she's got blood all over her and she's broken outside and inside because of what she's experienced. And honestly, what we need coming back from the mission field is we need a hug. Mm -hmm. You know, we need, 
somebody to help us and just listen to our stories. I think one of the hardest things sometimes was that people are so busy that mm. they'll say, oh, how are you doing? How's your time? And they almost feel like, oh, I could, you know, one of the common, most common comments I would hear is, oh, I could never do what you did. And I want to say, I can't either. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. <laughs> and so, but to not see us as like, oh, we're in a different class of people. No, we're just ordinary people who have seen God do extraordinary things, mm-hmm. but just need encouragement, need somebody to really listen and to say, hey, you know, how can I pray for you? Tell me about the joys and challenges. Like, let me, you know, make your favorite meal, you know, or things like that. So just practical <laughs> things, you know, sending a, a care package with chocolate chips or something fun that, you know, their favorite treat or, you know, a letter, an email praying for them. I remember there was a group of some of my dearest friends that I would be, you know, when there were times I just needed prayer and I'd say, can you pray for me? And I just can't tell you how much it just helped me in those moments. I felt like I can't keep going. I can't do this. And then God just used those women in my life to know, okay, they're praying for me. I can do this. God can give me what I need. So I think, you know, just we're all in this together, whether God has called us overseas or not, we're all, this is a mission for all of us. Amen. And we're, we're in the same, on the same team. Right. And yeah. so to kind of see as how can I be a part of the team of getting the gospel to the nations and even ministering to those who are maybe on the front lines or who are battle worn and that kind of thing. And so I remember Jimmy coming over, you know, overseas and preaching to all of the missionaries. And there was a group of people who came over and did vacation Bible club with the kids. And that was just the most, the sweetest time of just refreshment and encouragement for us just to be for people to pour into us, you know, because when you're pouring into other people to have other people pour into you is, is super meaningful. So those are a few, few things that come to mind. Wow. So Christy, you've been out there, you've been all across the world, just sharing the gospel. Can you kind of bring us up to speed? What are the Allens doing currently? Yes, we are in a new season. So in January, we got the word that we could not go back overseas to South Asia because of my son's health issues. He needs treatment here. And yeah, so it was a huge change in our lives. And we just really had no idea what God had next and cry out to the Lord for wisdom and direction. He's just really sweetly shepherded us in this season. And and he's provided a job here. We're in Kansas City Mm -hmm. at Midwestern Baptist um, Theological Seminary. And so my husband gets to be the professor of missions. And so I'm also, in fact, tonight I teach a class on missions and evangelism. And it's just really sweet to be able to be a part of of sending others overseas and encouraging others and helping maybe instill a heart for the world with people we get to serve here. So it's a new season for us. Um, The kids have gone from homeschooling all of these years. Now they're in public school. So lots of changes for our family, but it's a new and a sweet season. And we're really grateful for God's provision. Well, Christy, we love you. To know you is to love you. And I hope that our mom village will be encouraged. I know they will be as they listen to your story and to Joey's story and your children. And I'm inspired as a mom. Mm -hmm. You've reminded me today and and our whole village that we parent best when we're pointing our children to the Father and that He loves them more than we do and that He has plans for them. And may we never as moms discourage God's good plans for our kids because we're trying to keep them safe or popular or well-adjusted, that He loves them more than we do, and that our job is to point them to Him and to His goodness in their life. 
We're so grateful that you gave us this time today. I'm excited for the people that get to hear you teach and we love you and we're going to sign off now. And if you want to, you can sign off with us. We're just going to count count to three and say bye. So here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.